Yeah, all right, so we're going to start the show the way we always start the show. Let's go. In the city, we going to slide. Bet I be there pronto. Me, my guys, we really lie. Lord, forgive me. Pay my ties. Please don't have me reach inside. And that's in a console. Keep the semi when I ride. Let off Henny when I drive. In the city, we going to slide. Bet I be there pronto. What's good with y'all? This is the Chop Up Show. We here at Pronto. Y'all know how we go. Yeah. I am Damo, the political plug. Who am I here with? Hey, it's your girl Toya G. Happy to be with y'all another Thursday. We moving on through. Don't look now, y'all, but we are 25% of the way through 2022. Tomorrow is April the 1. Uh, you know, I can't go too far in this conversation without saying RIP to Nipsey Hustle. Nip, we miss you. We got big love for you. We did a whole show dedicated to you way back on the day that you passed away. And I think probably a couple shows after that, uh, we were just really kind of looking through the Nip issue and taking it to heart. So RIP to Nipsey Hustle. Three years. Out here tonight. I'm Three with years. I'm with the plug, but I'm not by myself. And yeah, I'm not man, George Lee. Hey, aka yeah. consciously. Don't forget to lead the consciously.com. You know, got the online class, got another online class coming your way very soon as well on the consciously.com. If you're looking to book me, that's where you can find it as well. Also got some merch and some new merch coming your way, man. Um, the marathon continues. Shout out to everybody in California, everybody in SoCal. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to everybody in NorCal as well. You feel me? Looking forward to getting to this conversation today about reparations. And, you know, hey, the marathon continues, man. Nipsey Hustle Impact continues to still be felt to this day. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Slap, if y'all recall, shout out to Nip. He, too, had a slap that went down in history. If y'all know about it, YouTube, Nipsey Hustle Slap. Y'all will see what I'm talking about. Was it a photographer or somebody? Somebody outside the BET Awards who just came completely off. And Nipsey did Got slapped up for sure, for sure. So... With that being said, we uh, thank all of y'all for coming. We know it was a, it was a long, interesting weekend. Uh, and I want to start out by apologizing because we're going to talk about some of this Will Smith shit. Too. Okay. We got to. We in media. Y'all know how it go. I, I, when it happened, I was like, I'm already tired of hearing about it because I know what it's going to turn into. Um, so y'all bear with us as we do what media does. Uh, with that being said, we go ahead and get it started with the Snapchat. So yeah. Let's get it cracking. No problem. I'm going to go into the snapshot. I got two things I want to talk about today, and we're going to get in and out with both of them. The first thing I want to talk about is the slap. But what I want to talk about um, is comedy, right? Comedy. We've seen a lot of comedians come out. Wanda Sykes uh, specifically was like, I was traumatized and disgusted. I think Rosie O'Donnell had a lot lot of stuff to say, a lot of different specifically. Her her in a while. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> these, are two, these are two of the names that I, I that come to mind when I think about some of the tweets I've seen, but there's been so many. I say all that to say I've also seen not only comedians speak out about how they felt clearly in fear of them potentially being targets of this type of behavior, you know, if they say something that displeases somebody in the future, right, and the possibilities there, but I've also seen a lot of comments and feedback, some uh, more particularly questioning the need for comedians in this era. Right. So before I pause my question, I think back to American comedy right now. Uh, comedy is in all cultures. Right. It's transcendental. There are people joke telling, storytelling, those things that bring people close together, community build across cultures. So I, I didn't really look into African comedians or comedy as much. But the context for American comedy very much is situated situated in the perspective or from the perspective of the court jester. Right. You look at a lot of 
um, you know, the 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 singular uh, in medieval medieval times, jokester or prankster that was there to bring levity or lightness to heavy situations. Somebody could be half and to be chopped off at the at the guillotine, uh, fifty five hundred feet that way, and they are telling jokes to keep the kind of the vibe light and stuff like that. Comedy over time has evolved. We've seen it evolve as an art form here. Specifically, even Black Americans have had the chance to use platform as a or comedy as a platform to tell our stories, right? To, yep, to mm-hmm. kind of break down. Been one of the best platforms, sure. exactly. But now we get to a place of social consciousness, right? People grow, change, they evolve, and I'm seeing people start to question the function and the purpose of the modern day. I think specifically stand up comedian. Right. Um, And especially when we have things like social media where people can opt in or opt out of your brand or your variety of comedy and kind of have a greater awareness and consciousness of how you get down before they sign up to it. Whereas when you in an audience as somebody just receiving the comedy, somebody can say something that violates your boundaries. Ain't nothing you can do because you you there in real time. Right. So I I, I shape this and I frame this question to kind of ask y'all, do you think that comedy still serves a unique and important social purpose at this day and age? Or do you think we've kind of surpassed the need for the, aha, look at that one person up there that is, you know, critically thinking in all the most beautiful ways to tell us comedy and stories. Oh, they had, they serve a purpose for this time. Like, do y'all think we need comedians or not? Are we past that? I think, I think we need comedians. The only issue is when we have these old school archaic comedians that came up way back in the day, still trying to do comedy in these days. And sometimes they have a hard time with being, I feel like, uh, 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 shit really sticking with the climate of today. Cause think about it. Drewski is funny. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 Vina East, Vina is, is funny. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, like is there, there are social, Dubby fresh trash. Funny, you feel me? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, Desi, Desi, funny, you feel me? Right, yeah. These are the type of people that we, you know what I'm saying, to Desi be funny, funny anyway, you know what I mean? To Desi. be funny anyway, you feel me? He messed up um, with his comments about Black Lives Matter and it pissed everyone, not Black Lives Matter, but the protest and for George Floyd, and that's what left aside tasting people's mouth, but he, he funny. He's funny, he's funny, definitely funny though. But my point is that we still have a time for comedians where there are people that, that specialize in being funny you feel me? And they have a space, you know what I'm saying, in our culture. What we find is that a lot of the more old school comedians that came up in times when it was more about Hollywood and more about stand up and not necessarily about having the following, we see that they're kind of having a different, you feel me? You know, and so they had, they had followers of comedian and, and comedy clubs, but they ain't have, you know what I'm saying, to today's times necessarily a following, you feel me? Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, that's what we sit in too. I'm going to circle the block on something you said real quick or somebody specifically you mentioned and kind of the comedy that you mentioned, but uh, plug, what's your take? I'm going to be for real. I I completely disagree with George. Comedy is comedy, period. Mm-hmm. Like, there is no, oh, you know, comedy, ha- like what? It's supposed to become, what, social justice? No, they, like, Niggas ain't supposed to start with social justice, nigga. <laughs> but, listen, but, that, but that's what I'm saying. Because when, when you talk about, like, the complaints that's associated with comedians, their job in a lot of ways is to offend and find humor in the offense. And it's to do it in creative ways. It's like comedy has always poked fun, period. Mm-hmm. Nothing was ever sacred. You know what I'm saying? Like that's that's how and, and it's black comedy specifically was focused on making fun of black people, making fun of our struggle, making fun of the, mm-hmm. shit, the shit that we go through. 
Kevin points out an interesting comment that Cat Williams said though recently, especially in light, I think, of the Chappelle stuff. So what do you what is your take on this though, then plug? So so Kevin says if you can't make a joke without insulting someone, you're not talented. Cat Williams said that's what Cat Williams. Okay, but there's some irony with that, right? There is Mm -hmm. some irony with that, right? Because Cat Williams has has a roast style brand of comedy. You know what I'm saying? Like whether like for example, whether he's talking about like smokers, right? Remember the, the joke that he used to he, he made about uh like smoking like some some really good shit, you feel mm-hmm. me? And the impact that, that that it had on his day, not being able to do shit, not being able to do that. All of that is still, you feel me, it's places where people could take offense to that, right? But the some people don't, some people do. The thing about comedy is that it's not supposed to be universally accepted. And I think the, the issue with social media and how we move nowadays is that. Like there, there's this idea that progressivism means that we're all moving in the same, that we all have the same perspectives. We all see things the same way. It's like, right. no, <laughs> like, no. Yeah, but none like, of the comedians I said was progressive though. I was talking about the literally the, the, the style of comedy that they're doing literally. And talking about how, when we talk about controversy, you, oh, like, bro, bro, when you talking about, you talking about, bro, you said Drewski. Drewski is a social media comedian. You can't compare social, social justice, though. <laughs> but, but but him being a social media comedian and being a stand-up comedian, then it's two different things, bro. Because like stand-up comedians sit with sit with what's going on with the world. But his, his aspirations, if you know anything about Drewski, and I just put this out there, not to disprove or prove anybody's point, is to be on like SNL to make it to like his biggest inspiration is Chris Farley, right? Like he really wants to break into that mainstream comedy lane and be up on there on those stages and platforms. But again, but Chris you Farley offended right the sensibilities. Like <laughs> Chris Farley offended the sensibilities of a lot of people, though. Chris Farley would not be something that people would look at nowadays and say the fact that even Drewski is able to see the appreciation in Chris Farley show because like because what George pointed out at the beginning was being critical of those older comedians now, and, and how they move. Let me let me come in here. Let me. I want to explore something because we keep going back to Drewski. I think the reason why, and we shouted out Drewski. If y'all haven't listened to our uh, twenty twenty, what was it? The Black History Month Awards. I think where we talked about some of I think the best comedians out. We nominated Drewski. You know what I'm saying? I think to be the comedian of the year, or like the one of the up and comers. Yeah. I think like viral. Com- yeah, it was like something like that. Yeah. Something like that. And so like we recognize his talent and skill, but I want to go back to a recent moment Drewski had that y'all might have caught, uh, where he had an autistic person come on the show. Um, a young man, um, y'all know he has uh, Could Have Been Records, yep. uh, which is his own little segment where he gets people to come on and, and sometimes show their talent, sometimes embarrass themselves, uh, sometimes he embarrasses them. And his his form of comedy is very muchly, I'm going to sneak this and kind of say weirdly, not all the way problematic things, but if you're really paying attention to what I'm saying, I'm not really gassing yeah. you. Like, I'm going to let you do you. I'm gonna let exactly. you do you, but I'm gonna make fun of like I'm gonna I'm gonna sneak I'm this gonna as you as you do yeah. it. Yeah, exactly, right. <laughs> and so we saw the autistic young man. I can't remember his name, but he got a lot of love and a lot of respect. He was dancing, he was singing, he was talking to Drewski, he was doing his thing, um, just kind of vibing. You know what I'm saying? Being you know his true self, being uh, the version of himself that he definitely wanted to, to people to see to it and appreciate. And I watched it, and part of me watched it, and I was laughing with everybody but there were moments where drewski's kind of approach made me wonder if i was laughing yet because i can very clearly see that he was kind of very ambiguously and ambivalently kind of being indirectly but probably like so let me let me ask this question is that 
the artistry of comedy? Like, is that what we should be seeking? Kind of yeah. some of the where I because I can't walk away saying you made fun of that man, you shouldn't have done that. Like Drewski was messed up for that, and clearly he wasn't. The young man walked away feeling good, the response to it was good. But if if you know how roasting and Jonan works, you know it wasn't a laugh with it was kind of I'm also laughing at you situation. And so I guess I'm 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 asking a nuanced question as I was looking for. Plug, go ahead and throw in what you're looking, what you want to say before comedy, comedy is is a gray area. Okay, period. Humor is a gray area. Period. There is no, like, this is the right way to do comedy. This is the wrong way to do comedy. It don't work like that. It's just like with like with every art, you're gonna have people who's like, this offends my sensibilities, and then you're gonna have people that's like, I don't like. Yeah. For example, like my my mom has alopecia, right? She mm-hmm. she's dealt with hair loss. Actually, anybody who know my mama right now, her head she shaved her head completely bald. And she actually got a henna tattoo all around her head. And that was her way of embracing, like not dealing with the struggle of like not 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 caring about what people think. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that was her way of embracing. it, Right. So even from her perspective, when I talked to her, she thought the joke was empowering because of how she felt about the G.I. Jane movie. Right. Mm-hmm. She thought she thought it was something that like G.I. Jane was a badass from her from her perspective. Right. right. So to her, she thought it's like she didn't think it was funny, but it, it wasn't something that was offensive as somebody who deals with alopecia, as somebody who's who's had a my mother has had a nervous breakdown dealing mm-hmm. with alopecia. You know, what I mean, her like when this when this all happened, her and I had a long conversation about how she felt about the whole thing. And she was one that was not offended by it at all. You know, what I mean, but but what I had to t- what I had to tell her. Thank you, Lois. <laughs> Appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> but what I had to tell her was that she was, but when she was like, "Well, why Jada roll her eyes?" I'm like, "Mom, yeah. just like you okay with the joke? She gonna roll her eyes." Mm-hmm. That's the thing about comedy. Some people gonna find it funny. Some people not. That's yeah, just how so, we go. But the, yeah, but the, so the, 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 the last part I'll add, the last part I'll add to that though is that when we talking about when we talking about public figures, mm-hmm. right? I think that I, I think that there is a reality that comes with being a celebrity comes with being a public figure like the, the the admiration the praise and the recognition that you get it comes with people also making fun of you poking you know what i'm saying like poking at whatever insecurities or whatever because that's what comes with media period so to turn that into you deserve to be physically assaulted because you're making a joke about another celebrity and somebody is deciding to make it well that celebrity is my wife so you deserve to be harmed it's like nah that's a that's not a bad reflection on comedy that's a bad reflection. That's, that's, that, that reflects badly on the person that responded with violence. Because the last thing I say is that, and, and you got it, George, is that we see people want to fight comedians all the time. Mm-hmm. They're never applauded. They're never the heroes. Right. The people that fight comedians while comedians are doing their thing on their stage are the people that don't understand why they're there in the first place. They're called hecklers. You know what I'm saying? Right. That's, that's all that is. They're called hecklers. They're messing up the show. Yeah. So go ahead. Uh, I think I think I think that uh, I feel like most of what Damo said has put us in the place where we are right now, where literally you have to beg the question. So what is the limit that comedians can't cross? I think that this idea that it's a gray area to me, it to me, sometimes it comes off as are we ignoring the history of like blackface or like minstrel shows that has an origin of of comedy it literally derives out of comedy look like that because we know that that is the quote-unquote gray area that we know that can't be touched so we recognize in terms of like 
how violence work or how being offended work, you're able to acknowledge, okay, comedy is comedy, quote, quote, unquote. People find it funny or people don't find it funny. In the event you don't find it funny, how mm. it work? Into on some hood shit. Toya and your hood, and Dama hood, and in my hood. Listen, I, 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 I ain't listen. Listen, in my hood, and your hood, and everybody hood on there, uh, your mama joke can set the party off, or your mama joke can get you popped in the mouth. True. Whether I'm on the west side of Kansas City, the east side of Kansas City, <laughs> that side, that's what I'm talking about. Comedy being a gray area, it's like, nah, bro. The being, t- being able to insult somebody or offend somebody, shit, it come with an ass whooping sometimes. I so mean, you see, somebody, to, somebody like, the three of us know. I'm like, what? Somebody the three of us know was on the wrong end of a you mama, a your mama joke. Um, and and said and aired it out. It's somebody we know very well. Somebody I know. And, and so I just it's a great like, example of how. And I mean, I'm talking about whoop somebody would have been his mama passed away. You know, had, had yeah. So so, so to me, the idea is just like to me, I just like you got to me, you have yeah. to take account of that. You had to take account and, and, of those, those triggers. And two, the reason what I was going to say is that there has been a space now where we feel like comedians cannot be can't be critical of comedians or comedians can't be held accountable or feel like the idea of discursive violence. Or you feel me? Linguistic violence is not a thing. It's like, hold on now, player. Hold on now, player. Who gets to decide who offended? So, so we, we we've acknowledged that there's sometimes jokes are not funny, and sometimes jokes are funny. In the event that a joke is not funny, what do we do? Because you're gonna be a heckler. And in the event when it's Will Smith, nah. it's like on some on some rich man shit. It's like, hey, peep game. Whatever the assault charge in in, in, uh, in California, Will Smith gonna eat that shit. Yeah. He gonna eat it. Ten thousand, twenty thousand, what forty hours but, community service? He gonna eat that shit. And it's but George, like, I, what you? I, I think though, like that, like that's what, you, what literally what you describing is the gray area. I'm not saying there's not a risk with comedy. I think that's the. I, I think that's what makes comedy great. I think that's what makes it one of my favorite forms of entertainment. Yeah, but is that there is that risk? Comedy, but listen, comedy. but listen, but but listen, bro. This is the thing. This this the part that this the part that niggas is missing. When we when we jonesing, bro. If you want to fight me, I won. If you want to fight me, I cooked you, nigga. Like if, if now if you want to square up, nigga. If you want to square up, it's because I cooked you. You're mad. As long You're as you're ready, but also, but you can't be ready. Like, yes, bask in the glory of knowing you won, but also but you, you gotta, gotta be now. ready to eat all of them because somebody's coming. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Also, like, hey, that, that's the gray area. That's what I mean by gray area. You also have to, if, if, if I, you can be excited at provoking somebody to want to fight, you gotta be willing to lean in and take. But the, the fight, like you can't be like that's foul. You can't fight me. It was jokes. It was jokes. No, your goal was provocation. So you have to see the beginning, the middle, and the ending of the provocation. Yeah, true. Yeah, that's, that's but 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 listen. But if we doing stand up and y'all sitting in the front, right? Because because like we talking about, and I, and I I ain't trying to you know what I'm saying push it too. You know what I mean? But because we we still got more of this conversation to talk about. Um, but if 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 we have to make a delineation between stand up. And uh, uh, like like Jonesing, you feel me? Because, for example, like once I went to a comedy show and me and my wife sat in the front, we was arguing. We became the butt of a joke. We we was fighting on the way to the comedy club, so we got there like we and we just so happened to be sitting next to another couple. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and they was all lovey dovey, right? Because they was like fresh new. So the comedian asked them, he's like, "How long y'all been together?" You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, it's been a couple of months, whatever. And then he looks at us. We sitting in the front. Like, you got to know this is the risk. 
We sit in the front. He asked us, how long y'all been together? He's like, oh, it's like seven years. Oh, yeah, I could tell. You know what I'm saying? Cause he was like, he, he, cause he was looking at, he was like, I can tell y'all been together for a couple months and they've been together for, for some years, bro. Cause it's, you know what I'm saying? And, and me, I'm, I'm mad. You feel me? But I had, I had to recognize I'm sitting in the front of a comedy show. You know what I'm saying? And so the Oscars, for example, is full of corny jokes. That, 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 um, uh, that GI Jane line, nobody would have remembered it because it wasn't that good. It was a throwaway. Yeah, he just there was something he just added. Like ad lib, you know what I'm saying? Mean, ultimately, and I'll say this and we're gonna move on. I feel like that whole moment culminated because a conversation that had been had previously and a violation of an understanding had occurred. Um, I really feel like between 2016 and now, it was like, hey man, we not it, that's not it, leave her alone, da, 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 whatever happened. And I feel like that was a you violated a clear understanding that we've established type of slap. And so that's why he was like, it was a GI Jane joke, like, bro, it wasn't even that. I mean, people are just like, but it was, a, and I think they want to take it like that, like comedian to comedian, like, come on now, like it was like, that was light work, that was a throwaway joke. It but was, think, it was a throwaway. But I think deeper than that, it was a, Bro, we had this conversation, so throwaway joke or not, I don't care who wrote it in your script, you should have just skipped it. You weren't going to lose no money. If it was just a throwaway, you could have not said it type situation. And uh, it was what it was. Either way it goes, uh, we, we've answered the question about comedians. We 25 minutes into the game, or to the show, rather, but into, into this game. And so I want to talk about the game of football real quick, but we're going to get in and get out with that because, you know, we don't we don't want to go down a sports rabbit hole at all. But I do have a big because just this week, the NFL made a decision based on the Brian Flores lawsuit and a lot of the conversations about diversity. If y'all don't know anything about Brian Flores, he was one of two black coaches in the NFL, worked for the Dolphins. Shout out to my boy, Blue. A lot of weird stuff happened um, down there. He ended up being fired for his job. And then the expose came out just about how terrible, again, another expose came out about how terrible diversity is for uh, people in the NFL. That being said, they just came out with a mandate that all 32 teams in the National Football League have to hire either a woman or a racial minority or some other type of minority. A woman or a, yeah, I think it just says a woman or some type of racial minority um, on offense, right, on a side that matters at the conclusion of the game um, for the 2022 season. A lot of conversation I'm seeing. So that's the mandate. All 32 teams got to hire a woman or a racial minority to play to coach on offense for the 2022 season. The conversation uh, I was seeing, uh, what we're seeing uh, on Twitter, were specifically from black from black men who say, "Aha, this again is another moment where black men are having to be traded off or have the potential of the trade off between them being represented properly in a league that already has them uniquely sacrificing themselves and their bodies." Right? We know the NFL is largely made up of black men for yeah. the possibility of letting women in. Now. Yeah, a lot of that's what that's what the comment is. Black men are specifically frustrated because this ruling has the possibility of forcing there to be a trade off between them and hiring more women into those positions. You all are black men. I know that you understand intersectionality, but I think it is important to frame this conversation in a world where we're talking about a sport that largely profits itself off the labor of black men. So do you feel like there is some credence to these concerns about a potential trade-off between the NFL hiring more black men specifically and kind of getting more women of ambiguous races, not even black women even, to fill those positions? Is that a concern that you have? No. Listen. I, listen. Listen. I don't believe in black male privilege. Okay? I think when 
I think when patriarchy could maintain the male dominance. Jingle Lakers. Talking about the uh, <laughs> Hey, no matter. Uh, when, the, <laughs> when, when the patriarchy can maintain male dominance, race does not matter. Okay. When the patriarchy, when we talking about, when we talking about being like that, that was a, that yeah, was yeah, yeah. About say, yeah, say it again. Yeah, that was a when word. The, when the patriarchy is attempting to maintain male dominance, race does not matter. Hmm. That means that they're not going to start valuing women of other races, even or or white women, period, and putting them in positions of football because the culture of football is is kind of is trenched in that patriarchy. Mm-hmm. Right. So I I believe that they rather have more niggas than women. Like from, from my perspective, I think that I, I don't think that we're gonna have to worry about whether or not they're gonna be like, nah, I'd rather hire a white woman than this black linebacker who played football for five years and went to mm-hmm. a who was all American in college and had was all pro for a season in the NFL. No. Like not nah. matter of fact, what it does is it, it is what, what brothers really need to be worried about is the way in which they trying to they trying to force feed the, the question of diversity without actually like more so having a bigger conversation of the role race plays in ownership mm-hmm. and who's right. on the actual field. So right? like yeah. that's the greater race. That's as brothers, that's what we need the cat the conversation of capitalism is a conversation we need to have when it comes to the NFL. We don't need to be worried about whether or not they're going to try to give women of a bunch of different races jobs over black men who clearly make up the dominant football player. You feel me? They want to maintain that that masculinity, that patriarchy. So, yeah, I, 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 I totally see that, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. What yeah, you I, think I, was, yeah. What you I mean, uh, originally, I was thinking of, like, me knowing what I know about diversity initiatives Nine times out of ten, especially when they lump, you feel me, minorities like that. It's like, well, shit, we know white women finna climb up to the top. You feel mm-hmm. me? That was my first thought, thinking like, well, shit, white women probably finna dominate then. White women might be able to matriculate into, you know what I'm saying? It's probably It might be just as many white women in coaching football as it is black men coaching football. But I think Damo gave a wonderful analysis that made me think like maybe, maybe, maybe patriarchy is kind of like that. With the uniqueness of football. <laughs> Wait, did I did I give did I give hold on? Did I give conscious Lee some oh, perspective? Oh, okay. <laughs> <Did I give, laughs> follow me at the political club, <laughs> like, education maybe, is elevation, goddamn. I mean, maybe kinda, you feel me? I feel like I don't, you know what I'm saying? I wouldn't even want to work that out in real time, out loud type shit. You feel me? I, like I want to work that out <laughs> in, in private, you feel me? So you know what I'm saying that's 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 really where I'm at with that. Like, okay, you I feel like the analysis you laid down was tight. It was it was it was put together. You feel me? Well, so, I mean, you know, and you know, as a black woman who was a fan of the game, um, I definitely I, said, brought, I brought my PlayStation over for Toy. The first time Toya played uh Madden, you know what I'm saying? I brought it through. She won too, bro. She beat me. She beat me. <laughs> But when Lee was out here for that, uh, for that, uh, for the uh, NAACP, man, yeah. I, I had a game one, <laughs> I had a game one, nigga came back and won it at the last. Hey, that's that 2K revenge, but go ahead and tell you, as, as, as a black woman who is a who is a fan of football, yes, man. 
I mean, I just, I, you know, I thought about how amazing and how terrifying it would be. Um, I won't say terrifying because I don't want to be, I, I don't want to portray ignorance here. There are a lot of black, I'm sorry, a lot of women in the sport already, right? A lot of commentators, a lot of defensive coaches. I think the Chiefs specifically, my favorite team, have a couple of D-line coaches. Um, and I think offensive coaches too, maybe some some kind of smaller positions, um, or women though, who are coaches on our teams right now. So I don't want to portray ignorance in that regard, but I just think, you know, in a world or in a league that already struggles so heavily, right, that looks at Mike Tomlin, the coach of the Steelers, as the crown jewel of black coaching right now that treated Brian Flores so terribly, that don't even do right by his black quarterbacks in a whole lot of different contexts and a whole lot of different scenarios and historically hasn't done so, that I would be terrified for a black woman to be in those positions. I would be terrified for a woman to be in a head coaching position because, I mean, we saw, I don't even know the name of the black woman who is coaching basketball right now. I think even on the college level, but she wears very fitted clothing and her outfits. Yeah, yeah. Controversy. She couldn't even dress good for her body shape and her type to go in and do her job. They proved. They proved. I, I I hate I hate the skeptic the, the not the skepticism the scrutiny and the skepticism that will follow these women as they move up the ranks in this sport and so I had the backdrop of patriarchy is so strong that it's a situation where I want women and specifically black women just as a black woman who's a, a fan of the game I want to see them on the sidelines doing big things and making major decisions but I I fear for the man the, to get put in front of white woman though <laughs> and I mean and a woman is not going to be put in that patriarchal in that patriarchal landscape before the black male coaches that we've been demanding. I don't think, that, you know, across the game, it's not going to be too many women. That's there for, for fluff and, and for looks, but I don't think it's going to be too many adamant people behind getting women in those positions before they get men in them. And so it's rough to kind of think about the fact that it's an ornament for what should have been happening a long ass time ago. But um, just interesting conversation that I thought Interesting tweet conversations that I were interesting as we see. It's, uh, it's going to be ongoing too. It's yeah, be ongoing too. And so we'll be looking in and tapping into it and seeing it because now the league has, they had the Rooney rule though. And we saw, if you know anything about the Rooney rule, the, the rule that you have to interview and talk to and at least have black candidates up, diverse candidates up for those positions. We all know that that's some bullshit. It's so much nepotism in the league. So many people's nephews and sons as coaches. And yeah, that's how I got exposed now. It's it's hard yeah. to navigate and get out a whole bunch of that stuff, but you know, uh, we got a we got a comment from Vance. Uh, I literally said the same thing. Whoever coined the term plantation patriarchy, I feel is more accurate because race truly doesn't matter when maintained. Was it Bell Hooks? Was it Bell Hooks? I think so. I know, yeah, I think it was it was Bell Hooks. Uh, in in uh, so she actually got two pieces of work that actually speak to uh, plantation patriarchy. We're talking about Bell Hooks, Western yeah. Power. Uh, we so cool. But but where, where she highlighted, we so cool is when she highlighted. Plantation patriarchy, but she actually—I forget the name of the text that she actually quoted of her own in her other book. You know, you a badass scholar when you quote yourself <laughs> and your new yeah. shit. You feel me? So shout out to Bell Hooks, man, gone but never forgotten. Um, oh, when we talk oh, about actually, that plantation, pra- talking about too, how long? Because 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 this is what we did together. She's talking about revisioning like male patriarchy, like what that looks like. Um, yeah. I, for, I forget the name of the text though. But if you go to re, if you look at we real cool, that's where she talks about plantation patriarchy. Yeah. And again, yeah, I, think, I think that's the distinction right there too. I think that, and I feel like I feel like in, in how I was thinking about it, how I was thinking about it is what happened in the uh, just generic backdrop of diversity, inclusion, multiculturalism, and how white women was able to elevate to the top based off of this terrain. 
In this mm-hmm. instance, it's literally white women, or you know what I'm saying, and, and, and I guess black women, but I feel like in this instance, like I don't think systems don't even respect black women like that. You feel me? But you know yeah. what I'm saying? It's like, you know, when we're talking about a system of patriarchy like the NFL, patriarchy yeah, rules. Real. Yeah, patriarchy you know what rules. And white so supremacist capitalist patriarchy gonna come gonna come through like she say and it's just like shit, you know yeah, yeah. so uh you want to go you want to put a cap on this story yeah i'm gonna put a cap on it just by saying that i mean i don't know i you know was very conflicted with the colin kaepernick um issues and the way that they unfolded and so when people were striking and protesting the league to be honest i have not lived in kansas city my my hometown for since i was 18 years old so kansas city football is my little piece of home it's the way that i feel connected to being at the crib and so i continue to watch the game and the sport um and i've been instead of pushing it away even more invested in seeing how a lot of these diversity issues start to unfold and develop everything from the partnership to jay-z to the messages on the back of the helmets to the brian flores situation and now to these types of initiatives um um, it's something that you know was gonna be here. It, uh, the NFL is as American as anything else you want to think about, and that you can pull up or that comes to mind. And so the league is gonna be here. Yes. I'm just kind of staying invested in what's what's going on in there. Before I turn it off to my colleagues to kick off one of the other chops, um, I just want to plug Black People Don't. We had a great conversation last week. So if y'all haven't watched the episode that we have with Sunny, um, and y'all are cosplayer anime fans, we had a beautiful discussion. Um, we got some that clips. I missed. Yeah, uh, you were there at the beginning of it though. We have some clips up on the Instagram and the Facebook if you want to get. Some I was biding my time and I wasn't even able to get it in the way that I wanted to. But go ahead, Tony. Uh, we got some tidbits of those conversations on Facebook and on Instagram. We got the whole conversations up on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify. Y'all go check uh, check in that conversation if y'all are cosplay people, if y'all anime people. If y'all hear people talking about this shit and you're like, I still don't know what that is. Listen to Sun, he break it down. We had a great conversation to that. All of that stuff is available, down. Um, up everywhere. And so to add up. to that, as before, as we transition over to the political chop, um, yeah. let me say this. Make sure y'all subscribe to the or follow us on Spotify. Make sure y'all follow us on Apple Podcasts. That's where y'all can Definitely find. Now listen, do. we in thirteen countries. We ain't even into just where it's we edited. Where, into where you get edited conversations. The foot like right. fully edited where it sound where not all of the extra this that and the other. You got it. A little bit, a little bit. But you know what I'm saying? If you if you if you're trying to chill at work, if you weren't able to catch the whole conversation, you know, because we do be kind of late. Y'all make sure y'all go follow us on Spotify, follow us on Apple Podcasts, leave a review, leave a comment, let us know, you know what I'm saying, how y'all felt about the conversation. Um, but with that being said, we can go ahead and transition over into the political chop. Now, of course, we gotta continue the conversation about Will Smith. Um and, and, and again, like I said, I apologize because even when it happened, I was like, God damn, we better be talking about this shit all week. Uh, it was a few things that we missed out on. Quest Love got an Oscar. Mm-hmm. Shout out to him. Morgan, or not uh, Morgan Freeman, but Samuel L. Jackson got an Oscar. Yeah, Samuel L. Jackson also got an Oscar. Shout out to him. So yeah. because of all that thing that was happening, you know what I'm saying? Some black people was doing some great things at the Oscars. Um, but- I didn't know this either. Quest Love. And shout out, right. and shout out to Quest Meg, was the, Meg was the first black woman or the first hip hop, I think, act to a woman hip hop act to happen at the Oscars. So first woman. Shout to out to Meg. There was a there was a whole we don't talk about Bruno intro, and that's my son Jan. We don't mm-hmm. talk about Bruno. Oh, that's my kid's jam too. No, don't no, say it too loud. I'm gonna wake up. Yeah, right. He'll come up here. <laughs> Um, so, so it was a few things that we missed out on. And one of the things that people were saying when it came to Will Smith and what happened is like, oh my God, y'all did this in front of white people. You slapping people in front of white people. Mm-hmm. You could have waited until I even I, I now I say he should have slapped them. You know what I'm saying behind the scenes. 
I didn't say because of white people, but that that was the sentiment, right? It was the idea was that, right? Like the way that you act and like people seeing this and we shouldn't and all of that, right? So we talked a little bit about what happened already, but I want to get from y'all perspective, what, like on the question of respectability politics. Mm-hmm. Now, before we continue, I want to define respectability politics for the people. It's defined as a set of beliefs holding that conformity to prescribed mainstream standards of appearance and behavior will protect a person who is part of a marginalized group, especially a black person, from prejudice and and, uh, systemic injustices. So it's a set of beliefs that makes you believe that if you conform to mainstream operating, if you act like how everybody else act, then you won't suffer the consequences of being from a marginalized group. The reason why respectability politics is important to this conversation is because a lot of the criticism of Will Smith was centered around respectability politics. I want to know from y'all, right, from y'all, is there a way to criticize Will Smith that isn't centered around doing it in front of white people, right, making black people look bad? Etc. Is it a way to criticize Will Smith that's not centered around respectability politics? Um, I think, you know, <laughs> yes. I think the answer is yes. Yes. And my biggest thing is weird, and I don't even know if I'm gonna make sense to y'all, but this is kind of is it, I keep thinking about spanking children when they misbehave for whatever mm. reason. And the reason why we have a lot of conversations as a community about how problematic it is, you know, and this is raising and rearing and how you showed up and how you turned out aside. But a lot of interesting conversations about whooping kids and the one of the best takes on it is like how absurd it is for a child to act up or do something you don't like. And you go up and molly them because of how absurd it is for an adult to do something you don't like. And for you to just walk up and be like. Like it just it just doesn't make sense. It violates like a social code and understanding and notions of consent and body politics and your bubble in my bubble or whatever, whatever. And so outside of the gaze of white people, my mind just went to how kind of prob- it, it, it animated the absurdness of beating children. Right. Like I just I don't know. That was the triangulation I made in my mind was that it animated and made that a lot more real to me and just kind of just I think just made it kind of weird that we just walk up on people and put our hands on people. Like that just is kind of odd just as a thing that humans do, but it was never a racial thing. It was never a white people might see us. It's just like, we, it is weird and bad that we respond to negative situations by taking our body and put it in direct, in, 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 to correct somebody, making our body touch different. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, this is just where my brain went. So to answer your question, yes, I found and had to reconcile my issues with it and how I felt about it and how I understood about it and whether I felt like there's a violation. And that's where I landed. It's just mature, cognitively high functioning person to another mature, yeah. cognitively high functioning person. Like, why would you do that? You know what I'm saying? But I don't know. Yeah. That's just my brain and how it works. So my answer is yes. Yeah, I, th- I think all three of us agree on this one. I feel like once we're able to say, like, white people aren't the arbiters of good behavior, or once we're able to think about how white people don't set the standards for how we deal with conflict, we're able to then construct models of how to deal with conflict that doesn't, you know what I'm saying, appeal to white, you know what I'm saying, standards and morals. Mm-hmm. We've, given, we've been given the definition of respectability politics. The definition of respectability politics is appealing to morals and ethics of the mainstream. 
you know what I'm saying, simplistically, right? There is a way for us to have a decorum for how we should relate to each other that does not have anything to do with the white gaze. Yeah. And I think that if we're able to recognize, like, hey, Pete Game, if we believe that there's no way to criticize white, uh, criticize, you feel me, a white, uh, Will Smith without being respectability politics, how much power are you saying respectability politics has? Damn, that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I think that there I, I think that there are multiple ways the conversation can go. But I think that you feel me, it's like, damn, bro, that's how you that's how you're doing it. Because it's like, hey, conflict management, you know, that's not that, that all cultures have abilities to decide, like to, to, to have a process of like, okay, when we have conflict, this is how we should deal with it. I, I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't disagree with that, uh, with what y'all are saying at all. I mean, I, I definitely, I, I, because my criticism, I was, I disagree with Will Smith and how he moved. I, I didn't, I ain't, you know what I'm saying? And I'm, and I'm a fuck, like, I be, I don't even disagree with that much, but it's just like, yeah, you know, nah, bro, like, but that's what I'm saying. Like, it's just, it's the, it's the slapping niggas, like, I, like, I, I also agree that it doesn't have to be situated around respectability politics because I think that there has to be a respect for each other. My criticism of Will Smith was that uh, not uh, outside of things that, that were so associated with his relationship is just that would we have gotten the same reaction if it was a white comedian making that joke about his wife? You know what I'm saying? Like, would or and what would the and what would you say? What's on you? I don't. I think so. Like, I don't know. I don't I, like. I don't. You I think he would smack the white man. I don't think that it, in that moment, and I can't speak for him clearly, but that the analysis or the calculation was: this is a nigga, and he's disrespecting me, so I'm about to go slap the shit out of him. I think it was somebody is disrespecting me and my situation, and something has gone too far, and so I'm gonna slap the shit out of him. I think he would have slapped that white man, and I, I think we would have just been talking about the backlash of it in way worse terms now i think mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying like i think the only thing that would have changed would be how much more grossly probably look how the oscars handled it right if he would smack the white man like, with, yeah. charges pressed i don't care if you don't want to press charges like chris Rock was like i don't want to press charges they would have been like we don't care if you don't want to press charges he has fucked up our war show we're pressing charges like somebody somewhere is going to make sure this man goes to jail tonight Right, as opposed to leaving up to the, to the person who was assaulted. So I don't I don't think Will Smith's calculation was like black man versus white man. I don't think it mattered at that point. I think every other response would have been different to that particular situation. Is what I'm getting at. Yeah. And to like Kim Yabank said, he did slap a white man before too. Like he did. You feel me? He totally like, did. He did, like you know. Oh, the, but see, that was under the guise of that, that, that white man <laughs> kissed him in the yeah. mouth. Yeah. Like. That was like a, slapped a, he slapped him because of assault, my nigga. Like, bro, you and, and, and the way that he did it, bro, he slapped. That wasn't even a good point to bring up. Nah, he, he slapped Chris Rock harder than he slapped the white man that kissed him in the mouth when he ain't asked for it. And a lot of people, especially on social media, would call that sexual assault. Mm-hmm. You kiss somebody and they ain't asked for a kiss, that's assault, sir. Crazy. And he said, slap, slap, pitter patter. Like, you kissed me in my mouth. Yeah. Sorry, What's me. wrong with you? Hey, yeah. you might defend your oh, you made fun of my keep my yeah. wife's name, but you know what I'm saying? So that so that ain't even a good to bring up the fact that he slapped somebody that tried to he ain't even slapped the nigga that kissed him. The white man that kissed him in the mouth, he ain't slapped him as hard as he slapped Chris Rock. Mm-hmm. Hey, he slapped them both though. 
He slapped white men. <laughs> That's the point. The point is, the point is everybody getting slapped. Shout out to my dog, my yeah, dog, Tyler. Hey, me and Tyler, we starting the uh we are starting the video game nerd podcast for those on, on uh on Twitch. For those that don't know, we got some things working in the background. So I'm gonna get into my nerdy things with my boy Tyler. But he did say the slap was definitely because Chris Rock was making fun of Jada for protesting in 2016. Uh share this <laughs> right. You put five dollars, so I'm gonna make sure you see <laughs> crazy, but no, but yeah. Um, I just, I don't, I think when I, when it comes down to the breakdown and the shoulda, coulda, wouldas, and what about this, and if it would have played out like this, whatever, 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 I think either way, the intracommunal conversation has been, you know, when you violate and you know, when you've done too much. And this is why I keep going back to, you know, I feel like it was previous and and, and intertwined and intermixed conversations before this. That was just like, he knew. The possibilities of what was coming and made a decision that based on how we work inter in intra communally, you knew, bro, that you was on thin ice. You know what I'm saying? And so I hate that, you know, I think a moment where one of our people lost control, you know, it, w- it was under a microscope like that. But I think in communal circles, a lot of people would have sat there and been like, you should have been talking shit. right 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 you know what come with it but that, that leads me to my next question though are there moments where respectability politics is valid and is this one of them is it because you're saying that george but should we be slapping up each other in front of white people should we Nah, it should be the question: Should we be slapping up each other? No matter who we slapping up each other. Exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. It. There you go. So, there you go. Really I, this is Ali. You don't act like you said. Don't act like you said something, nigga. That was Ali. Yeah, no, no, that was nothing at all. Just bully politics is always bad. Always trying to appeal to the dominant standard instead of just uh, instead of challenging the dominant standard itself. It's always bad. It's always it's always bad, and we know too. The dominant culture does not corner the market on body politics, on being able to respect personhood. The dominant culture, if anything, the dominant culture has mastered how to fuck it over. You know what I'm saying? With with, with laws and structures and institutions and systems. So we feel we we you know what I mean? It's just like nah. But I I also think that it's just imperative. It's the last thing I say. A lot of times when we talk about this comedy. It's really, I feel like the conversation we're forgetting about is that it's only, it's cool to disrespect and offend and insult certain groups more than it's cool to insult and, and you know what I'm saying, and, and, and fuck over other groups. And that's where I feel like the conversation ain't really been had yet in terms of us, like the black community, at least my, how my timeline is curbing. So, yeah, I want to get your response on this. Cause in, 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 in kind of backdoor with what you was, what you was about to say. I've heard some people say that Will Slap was a performance of toxic masculinity. I've heard that as well. And comparing it to honor and violence killings, do you put it on par with the way that we describe toxic masculinity and how men are... Okay. Yeah, I don't even need to finish the question. Go ahead. So false analogy, there's a large... And I wanted to read the comment again. It disappeared. I don't know where where it went. Yeah, I got you. Um, But a lot lot of incongruences in between toxic... Because here's the thing. And I read a thread about it today that was very enlightening and I loved it because in American white culture, uh, the the man stepping in for his wife and interceding on her behalf is the honorable, noble, noble 
uh, uh, appropriately masculine, romanticized way to respond to any issue. And so the only problem that was there was that it was a black man who stepped in on behalf of a black woman and did so in a very prolific way that if you look at any Western, if you look at any old romance novel, fisticuffs would have been That's completely realistic or whatever. But you know, but because of the, the raciality of the issue, it was found to be completely problematic. So no, you can't opt into that being noble and meaningful and, and foundational uh, masculinity in some context. And then all of a sudden it slides into to toxicity in others. Also, Honor, like, unless the, the the who was that that said he slapped her? And what if that would have been Betty White up there? She could have fallen and hit the back of her head and die. Like, all these shoulda, coulda, woulda slippery slopes are fucking exhausting. Would like, Betty White have made an alopecia joke? Would Betty know. White have made a joke about, like, come on, but like, like, I don't even know what the context is. The nigga, the nigga knew that good hair documentary. I'm sorry, my bad, Toya. What was you saying about the documentary? Go ahead, bro. That the good that this just he 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 knew he know about black hair. Is it really yeah. you know he know about black hair? I don't know. Um, I think Rose Rose. LaRie, I don't know if I'm saying your name right. Rose Laurie earlier in the comments had had made the made the comment. It was a very simple statement, but it resonates with me, and it's what I keep coming back to in the context of this conversation. And it is that that slap was unfortunate, and that is the word and the phrase that I keep coming back to. That slap was unfortunate. And when you think about like, I, I I don't think I have I haven't decided whether it's good or bad. I haven't decided whether it was necessary or unnecessary. I haven't decided whether or not I just but I just when I go back to it a thousand times, I think about unfortunate because so many people were grossed out and disgusted and taken aback and appalled and just up. And so this is going to resonate and ring bells forever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. And it sucks because of the chip and the legacy. And the tarnishing. I mean, there still could be. I'm interested to see the saga of the demands to take the Oscar back. That's still oh, yeah. on the table, and to it's see how they still navigate. on the table. Yes, other people yes. who still have their Oscars. Uh, what's the name of the big white dude who was like the Harvey Weinstein? Who? Yes, you know what I'm saying. A, a billion examples of people who never got their stuff taken away, but. You know, even let's talk back, about real fortunate because he was the first black man to get that Oscar for you know for, for best actor, and so it, it, it is for you to add to that. To add to that, remember they you know the whole shit with John Wayne, it was a Native American actress in Clint Eastwood, yeah. who who in Clint in Clint Eastwood with his mm-hmm. old senile ass. How you make a movie about being old and senile and that shit damn near win an Oscar? Did it win an Oscar? Y'all let us know in the chat. Did uh did did Grant Torino win an Oscar? The movie was literally about being an old racist. Did it win an Oscar? Y'all let us know. Uh, uh fact fact check in the chat because we know how to we know how to, uh, the chop up chat like to do. Y'all like to correct the shit out of us. So yeah, like let us know if Grant Torino won an Oscar because he definitely Roman made a Palanky. joke. Oh, don't need to talk about bro. He yeah, whole pervert, whole pervert. Yeah, that was the first name I dropped. Because even as somebody who was, because to go back to the question of whether or not you know respectability politics uh, is 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 uh, is a relevant conversation with this, it's like nah, I, I agree with y'all. I think no. Um, it's, I, I, he should just get Oscar back and take the power away. If look, if they, they if they was gonna do that, they would have did that back in twenty seventeen. We ain't fuck. They ain't fucking with it. They they still want their Oscars. But no, like saying, not- I think I think they're saying Will Smith should, should give the Oscar back to the Academy and be like, right, right. The point that I'm making is that they that that that's poly- the and this is the thing about it. I think that's that segues into the last point I'm gonna make 
is that the the news the, the, Oscars, the Oscars itself is situated in the conversation a value system of whiteness, mm-hmm. which means that if we're talking about how niggas move at the Oscars, you only talking about respectability politics because goddamn it, you got to be a respectable Negro to be sitting in the front row in the first place. Let's be for real here. Will Smith did this in a place where he was being celebrated, honored. That's why he didn't suffer any consequences from it. So from that standpoint, the question of respectability politics is situated in the whole conversation of the show must go on. I say this, Chris Rock was sacrificed. He was sacrificed. So that the Oscars, so that the Oscar, not not no not no Illuminati shit. No, no, before yeah, y'all man, go, no, we on YouTube. Watch yourself now, sir. We on YouTube. Tell like where Okay, so let me let me explain what I mean by sacrifice. He was sacrificed in the sense that he was sacrificed in the sense that the the night was going to be the celebration of another black man winning the best actor Oscar. That's what the night was going to be. So Will Smith, and, and this is my criticism of him, knew that if he got up there and slapped Chris Rock, consequences were going to be very slim because him slapping Chris Rock was minuscule compared to what it meant for a black man to win another best actor. We, Oscar, we, Oscar. Yeah, so that I, we knew he was going to win it. Like, we knew he was going to win it. What like what else was... Can, can y'all name any other best actor nominees? I don't think I would have been deserving, but exactly. they didn't. Like Julia said, I could never name. <laughs> <So> <laughs> be honest, be honest, I can never right. name. No, it says nothing to me for me. But but but, but what I mean by sac- but, but what I mean by sacrifice is 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 just purely that because we that like the idea was that he was going to be celebrated that night, like that slap was they ate that the Oscars ate that. The black man who was direct, directing the Oscars ate that. Uh, the, everybody that was there, I mean, I don't, I don't put them into it because they were trying to figure out, is it staged, is it real, whatever. But ultimately, like, everybody ate that so that the moments that took place after, whether it was Questlove or Samuel L. Jackson, even though it was overshadowed, those moments could not be upended by Will Smith doing what he was doing. So they let Chris Rock be slapped, oh. so that the show, so that the show continue. It must go on. That's 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 the way. So when I say sacrifice, I'm not talking about the Illuminati or humiliation rituals and none of that shit. I'm I'm more so talking about the fact that the show must go on. Chris Rock was what he means exactly, exactly. Uh, the the last question, the last question that I asked before, because I definitely want to before we head out of here, I definitely want to get into this last chop. Um. Because we all agree that the criticism of of Will Smith can take place outside of the question of respectability politics. What does that criticism sound like? We'll start with Toya first. How do you criticize Will Smith outside of respectability politics? Shit, we already did. (laughs) Yeah, I think at the beginning, when I talk about just kind of your inability to control, you know, I guess your response to just another person and another human being, like to some level and to some extent, we have to be honest with ourselves as Black people. It's kind of like when we have these conversations about what we know is not real black on black violence. I mean, black on black crime. Like we know that this is not a real thing, that this is language and rhetoric set up by white people and white supremacist thinking to categorize what is communal, intercommunal and proximity based violence. Right. But it is proximity based violence. So intracommunally, we do have to have conversations with ourselves about why niggas shoot up shit. 
Why do we go and fight and cause problems and have issues? And these are not questions of respectability. These are questions of how we treat each other and, and, and relate to each other. So in that same vein, it's like, I, I think the biggest way to criticize this moment or be skeptical of this moment is to be like, bro, why are we, come on now, when it's all said and done, like, even if we have a nigga moments, even if we have in those moments that we like, yeah, you shouldn't have been talking shit, right? Like, yes, those are real moments, but elevated, mature, self-controlled, emotionally uh, mature people understand that the, the real response to shit is not hitting somebody, right? So it's just like, when it's all said and done, bro, like, well, come on now. Like, that's the real conversation is like, why are we settling shit like this? By putting hands on people, and that's just the way that grown people think about these types of issues. But that's just my take. Yeah, yeah, we already, yeah, we already made the distinctions about how you know the mainstream media, mainstream com- community, you know, what I'm saying group doesn't like dictate how we can relate to each other and how we can respect each other's personhood. So I feel like that's that's the way that's the way that we can do it. You know. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think um, ultimately. To to it's it's a few it's a few things that we gotta understand when it comes to these types of situations is that respectability politics is bigger than us because when, when we talking about even with the definition that we apply respectability politics is when marginalized groups are fitting to are are attempting to make sure that they adhere to mainstream values the irony of of mainstream values is that the the concept of mainstream is built on the degradation of blackness blackness can never be mainstream because it's always seen as the deviant mm-hmm. it's always seen as the outside the, the the what what is supposed to be identified so when will smith is doing what he's doing i i think that we it to 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 a small degree we have to be understanding of how people first jump to the knee-jerk reaction of it being about uh doing it in front of white people because the concept is then the, the idea is then what does this mean for other black people that enter these spaces because mm-hmm. that's and and, and uh, this is the last thing i want to touch on before because I, I we, we approaching the hour so we may have to say the uh the conversation the reparations conversation for next week when everybody over this will smith shit. Okay. um <laughs> But I, I want to get your perspective on this in terms of like like how that was the like that's the first thing that people people went to. Um, is respectability politics not a question of survival? Because if we're if we're talking about it because uh, when we're talking about these questions of like how we move in certain spaces and then how we're also surveyed and or, or surveilled in certain spaces, the way that when we show up. Right. Because it's like if you if you if you take the Oscars and you and create a parallel of like going into a store, if somebody go in that store and steal every black person that then comes into that store are going to be accused of stealing. Right. Like that's the that's the idea. So when, when we when we backdoor and we talk about this conversation of the Oscars is that uh, do black people moving forward, black people in entertainment have to now then pay attention to how people perceived Will Smith because that would then be painted on them. So I want Toya the first to kind of elaborate on what she said in terms of like what she said, absolutely. And then Lee, you got it. Go ahead, Toya. What? Could you you say absolutely? So go ahead and uh, uh, elaborate on on what you mean when you say that the respectability politics, the knee-jerk reaction to adhere to respectability politics is a question of 
I mean, I think, you know, regardless of how we feel about the white gaze, it is one that is is ever present, one that shapes our reality and one that determines our futures. And so, um, I mean, it's the, the same reason that we code switch. It's the same things we do a lot of small um, and uh, benign things on a day to day basis that we no longer even think about. I don't pick up the I pick up unrecognized numbers that are from the California area. Like if you from fucking the bumfuck Tennessee, I don't really care about you. I'm be like, hello, what do you want? But when people call from around, I'm like, hello, you know, let me make sure I sound like I'm not some wild ass black woman answering the phone who ain't gonna be like, I do. And I think about it after the fact when I think about the fact that I changed my voice. Right. But it's for survival so that I don't seem like a non-credible person. If there's somebody on the other line that has something important to me at stake or, you know, in the context of the conversation, I want to sound like I'm ready to handle business and sound like I'm prepared and qualified to do whatever they need to ask me to do. So in those same ways, absolutely. Right. And it's not it's something that's never going to be able to go away because of how the infrastructure of our world and society is set up. It's a sad reality and we can sit and criticize and critique it, but we, we don't have a future. We don't have a present. If we don't have some type of investment in respectability, it just don't work like that. No, I think I think we do it out of definitely uh, survival tactics, survival, survivability type things. Um, I think that uh, there is distinctions we can make, though, between appealing and you know what I'm saying surviving. I think that sometimes people just get tired of appealing and being like, shit, I'm going to survive regardless. Forget them. I don't need them at all. It'd be whatever, whatever, whatever. But I do you know what I'm saying agree with Toya. Most of the times when the knee jerk reaction to be like, oh, it's always thinking about the implications of how I'm perceived and how I'm perceived specifically by them people over there because they have influence over resources, opportunity, accessibility, mm. freedom, life. You know what I'm saying? So it's just me, like shit's undeniable. It's a couple things in the comment too. I think we're being confused. Yeah, I, I, I was about to say, like, let's go through the comments before we leave. Real quick. One person says, uh, you let white people determine your future. Obviously not. Uh, another person said... I think well, how about Victoria? Before I, we... I just want to point out the comments that I was looking at real quick. Uh, and then loop them together. But I want to just point out the other comment I looked at. Brandon Foster says, why do we equate intelligence with whiteness or sounding white? That's what I hear. That's not what I'm saying. I've equated intelligence with whiteness, zero iotas, not even a little bit. It is what they do. The people who have the power, the people who run institutions, you know how we talk about how anti-blackness is an institutional phenomenon, right? It, the, the people who run the institutions have the ability to delegate me as credible or not credible, capable or not capable, able or not able. So it is not my desire to invest in these things, but because of the way the white gaze functions, because of the way systems and structures function, I sometimes de facto end up participating in them, even though if I was conscious, I probably wouldn't, largely because of how these systems and structures have been shaped to give me credibility if I sound a certain way, if I behave a certain way, if I appear a certain way. So I'm not invested in these. I don't give a shit about white people's perception of my future or whether or whether or not I deserve one. But in a world where I wake up every day and have an orientation forward, there are very benign and sometimes unconscious ways that I opt into that for to protect myself, to make sure I survive. To make sure I exist for the future that you're saying that I shouldn't be counting on white people to give me. It happens subconsciously and unconsciously but, but, the way these things work. But I want I want you to respond more to more so to that to that first comment that was talking about allowing white people because I think there's a confusion about what respectability politics means in terms of survival and then framing it as allowing white people to shape your future. Because because I like when we have like intelligent conversations about these things. And we're talking about how respectability politics is literally a, a life or death conversation. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, but people are framing it as, "Oh, you just allow white people to just tell you what to do." Yeah. I, it 
Explain that the difference in that. Explain this, like, because uh, I mean, I, I think the most Toya the wordsmith for the group, y'all. She the yeah, one no, who got I the masters in rhetoric. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So break it down. Of not giving white people the power to determine my future, but still participating in respectability is to survive. To survive is the same shit we tell people who we see on, you know, dash cam and, and, and cam footage all the time arguing with police officers. When it's all said and done, you have a valiant point, but argue your case in court, which we know is awesome bullshit and can turn into some bullshit too. But don't try to argue your existence or your, you know what I'm saying, your credibility to the officer right there. Calm down, behave, do what you need to do. Step in line, do what you need to do to control the hey, situation. Give me a bank huh? I'm, I'm bad. I didn't mean to cut you off. I forgot what I was saying. So yeah, that's my take. What were, what was the next thing somebody was about to say? Yeah, so let's be willfully obtuse about living in white supremacy. Yeah, um, that's literally what they're doing to Toya. They are literally gaslighting Toya. That's why I was like, Yeah, Kim, me a kid. My bad. I didn't cut you off again. Because I mean, let's go back up to Brandon's comment. But you do give a fuck about their perception if you're saying you change your voice or or, or code switch when you see a neighbor coming from a certain area code. Yeah, because if you have money for me, I want my money. If if there's a problem that needs to be figured out so that my business can function and my lifestyle, my household can, I want that to function. So yeah, I'm going to talk to you in a way that you understand. Hello, are you okay? Is everything okay? You have my money. Is the bank okay? Is my cash over my car is okay? My job is okay? Yes, I'm going to do those things because I care about my survival. And when I get off, I'm going to say, man, fuck all that bullshit. You ain't talking about nothing anyway. Let's go ahead and move on. And I'm going to move how I move outside of that gaze in the ways that are necessary for me to uh, ensure my survival in my future. Right? So never never get it twisted. But yeah, that's that. That's that. I think, I think Kiana... Why are they trying to play you, Tori? I'm sorry. Why are they trying to play you? Why are they trying to but look, but look, I, like, because I think Keanu Perkins summed up with Toya was Shout trying to, to say the best. Fight smarter, not harder. Fight smarter, not harder. No. Like it's, 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 it's a matter of like, yo, the question of respectability is, do you become a target? Blackness is already highlighted as soon as it steps within the visibility of white spaces, of of mainstream spaces. So since we know that we already a target, do you make it harder for yourself to do what it is that you're trying to do? By attempting to wait, because the what what word what word did we grow up with, Toya? Counter hegemonic. Counter hegemonic. Counter hegemonic. That means that the the the, the pedagogy that you produce, it, the knowledge that you create, the conversations that people facilitate, can actually put go against mainstream ideologies and beliefs, even though it sound like the shit that they say. It sound like them. We're we are code switching. That part, right? One thing, and 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 then I'll let you get it lead before we close it out. The one thing that that uh that I hear a lot of people talking about, specifically people who are or who attempt to be counter hegemonic, is the idea that we behind enemy lines. We fucking with people that don't fuck with us. That part. You know what I mean? So if we if we know that we already uh always like like Lee would say always already hyper identified hyper visible mm -hmm. that means that when we do things to to appear mainstream it's to move away from that surveillance so that our counter hegemonic actions are already they're not hopping on us because of just what we look like because we can step into a space 
and, and adhere to every level of respectable Negro that we're supposed to adhere to and still suffer every consequence of those who do the exact opposite. Go ahead, Lee. We're going to go to Toya, and then we're going to go ahead and close it out. All I'll say is, man, on this last day of Women's History Month, I want to apologize to my sister for cutting her off twice, goddamn, in this show. But I also want to say, too, that for the people in the comments section and people watching this right now, after the, five, after the fact, but right now, listen, she has a master's degree in communications. It's probably not smart for you to try to create a aha gotcha moment in something that she said. Like, if she's conveying a message, it's not going to be smart for you to try to use her words against her. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like, when you we talking about a conversation about respectability politics, and it's just like somebody said in the comment section, are you sister soldier or Michael makes it your job? Probably not. So like the fact that you're trying to create this moment is just like, why are you trying to play up for a sucker though? You know what I'm saying? And that's really why last time I got, I, I cut you off, I got, I got excited. Like, it really took a minute for me to figure out what was going on. It took a minute for me to figure out what was going on, but I received yeah, it. It was like they, they were being obtuse about white supremacy, though. Like you are being, you are, you are purposely being obtuse about the world we live in as black people, and you are trying to say, "Well, you do give a damn," and this, that, and the other, and it's, it's like, but, but I can tell you that person is a new watcher of the show. And listen, this is something you're gonna hear throughout the throughout watching this. Two things can be true at the same time. I can be unapologetic while being mindful how goddamn respectability politics shapes my reality. I'm going to repeat that. I can be unapologetically as pro-black and black, I don't give a fuck, as I want to be. But it's going to be dumb and counterintuitive to my general welfare if I'm like, and fuck how respectability politics work. That's That's just not smart. There are, there come on. And we can, we've talked respectability to death in the context of this, we can have a larger conversation about this later on because skin folk ain't skin folk. So when you have black people in power who exist in these institutions and you also have to, you can't go relating to them like that or they look down on you too and assume. So there's a lot of things you have to navigate in questioning respectability, what's respectable, what's too respectable, what's not. Should I be Malcolm X in this moment versus should I be sister? So like, it's a lot of calculating niggas got to do on the day to day. So let's not act dense about this. Let's not be obtuse about the situation. And shout out to y'all in the comments that was like, y'all not going to do her like this either because I've been seeing y'all too. You know, whenever, I want to be clear too, if ever y'all see us like looking away, like in kind of zone, we're not zoned out. We're looking at what y'all saying, trying to keep up with the commentary y'all got. So thank y'all for being vibrant parts of this conversation too. Yeah, keeping us, that responded to us. That's one of my favorite things about using StreamYard as a platform is that we get to see everything from Consciously's uh, YouTube. Y'all tap in. Consciously's Facebook, y'all tap in. Uh, Chop Up Show YouTube, Chop Up Show Facebook. All these conversations are happening in our comments. So we get to see, even if y'all don't see what other people are saying, we see it. So we're constantly trying to figure out what y'all got going on. So shout out to y'all. And even the people who don't agree with me and agree with us, that's fine too. Shout out to y'all. Y'all help us keep the conversation going as well. But but be better. You got to understand. You the fuck up. (laughs) 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 Just just keep it in the chat. You know what I'm saying? You talk about her. You know what I mean? Like, she, like, you know, need to tell her, she, no, bro. Y'all, we cut Toy off because we want her to explain the shit that we trying to interrupt about in the first place. You know what I'm saying? I, we I, want I, her to bring it up. Sometimes I get worked up and fighting. Keeping it a stack. Keeping it a stack. 
Like when, when people are saying certain shit, I can say it and Lee can say it. But Toya got that sauce. Man, not at all. Not at all. At that point. So you got that. So you got that. So, so she, 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 she humble. And she humble. But but I'm I'm running I'm running the show today. So like if I'm a, if I'm a, uh if I'm a, uh give you your props, give you your flowers, you gonna take them. If I'm giving you your props and your flowers, you gonna take them. You know what I'm saying? She got that sauce. So I'll be damned if somebody in the comments is telling me that Toya got it wrong. Oh, no, we gonna slow it down so you could get it. Yeah, man. You it's feel love. me? As well, well, you Toy, I mean? if you change your voice when you answer the phone, then you obviously right, I, must not be, I must not be with the shits. It's crazy, right? Right, and we're we, we talking right. about people who did we talk yeah. about people who that who could be published for rhetoric and these motherfuckers, anyway. With that being because said, man, right. hold on, last time I want to say, yeah, if code switching is real and we recognize that code switching is how we able to get our proximity to resources and being able to get jobs and being able to pay bills. What does it mean for this man to try to play? It had to be a man to do this shit. Why you trying to play this woman on live stream right now? Okay. If okay. Talking about your business, man. Yeah. Not your business. Yeah. What you about to say to love, Not just that I love y'all. Um, and I love the comments. I got I it's, it's love happening from everywhere, man. And it's love, like I said, it's love to even the people who don't agree. You know what I'm saying? Let's have these conversations, let's break it down. Just how I'm gonna defend myself and all my brothers is behind me. Um, recognize that, and I think we'll all do okay here. Uh, that's the that on I think the respectability conversation. Um, before plug, I turn it back over to you to shut it out. Uh, <laughs> yes, uh, no, said I close this like, like she did equate intellect with white people, they automatically came out projecting. This is your character speaking, you trying to put it on sis. Now, nah, this. Just be a man. Let me let me call this real quick. Blake. Now we weren't talking about talking white, Blake. No, no, no. Blake is making fun of him. I'm Blake making fun of him, but it still was like I don't know. Right, right. Because you know that's how it goes. And all of you answer the hello. Like when a number that's not that's not saved in your phone, when you hear it, hello, like stop playing with me. It's one the rough one or the other professional one, but it's only two options. I want to talk about before I turn it back over to the plug, or actually, I want conscious leave to talk about. I get my points right. We wanted to make a quick acknowledgement for an important day that's happening today before we close out. We definitely know we got a lot of people that support the show. Um, you know, we come at the show from a, a lot of different perspectives and, and, and illuminate a lot of different um, components of the multiplicities of blackness and of, of personness and beingness. So, Lee, I'm going to turn it to you. Then you, I'm going to turn it to plug. And then we're going to get up out of here. And that's yeah, the take Hey, on. today is... Uh... March 31st it is, you know, the annual trans day, uh, trans day of visibility. Um, we know right now in our country in America, there have been a lot of bills passed throughout the South uniquely, but also in other states that are you like attacking trans children. Whether we're talking about trans children being able to participate in sports or we're talking about trans children being affirmed by their parents in terms of, you feel me, not even necessarily a surgery assignment literally just being able to say i identify you as what you identify as in terms of your gender 
um, mm-hmm. today for trans visibility. I think it's important that we acknowledge the black trans people that live in our communities and we do not get lost in the sauce of white liberalism and think that every time we think about transness, it's automatically equated to whiteness. On here on the Chop Up Show, we are dedicated, we're unapologetically inclusive. That part. What this means is that we don't give a fuck about how you feel about who we include and how we include them. What this not means is that we got issue with what we're doing and how we're doing this. For you. you see what I'm saying? We on an inquired taste. This means that we ain't trying to put no sugar and no salt and that shit to make it well. We taste better for you. You yeah. feel me? Uh, some of us ain't free then none of us ain't free this also includes our black trans sisters and black trans brothers you see what i'm saying on this day i want to acknowledge that there are a lot of black trans people that are politically socially economically dedicating their livelihoods to the liberation of black people and want to make sure encourage you challenge you you feel me lee you said black people you have trans individuals who are fighting for the rights of black people? People. Yeah, yeah. Said that with all my whole chest, all that shit. The yeah. point yeah. is, though, the point is this is the end. As if you really, if you really feel empathy, humanity, pro-black, this, that, and the other, let's talk about and think about trans people outside of controversy. Outside of pain and suffering, outside of death. I'm gonna repeat that. Yeah. When we as society start to talk about trans people, can there be a time and moment that we do it outside of suffering, controversy, backlash? Yeah. Shout out to my sister Hope Giselle. She was somebody that left that with me last year. It was like, hey Lee. Think about this, you feel me? And I you know what I'm saying I, I thought about it, you feel me? And I'm just giving that to y'all. Education is elevation. Happy Trans Visibility Day. I appreciate y'all. Yeah. Hey, yeah. And fuck whoever got a problem with it. Because I ain't really said that hard, but I'm sorry. Nah, 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 bro, bro. I'm gonna keep it a stack because we, we may be educators, but this our shit. Like this our platform, <laughs> this our space. We yeah. don't need to sit up here and, and cater to uh bigots and Simple-minded, nah. slow motherfuckers, bro. Black. If you care about black people, it don't matter if you gay, trans, tra- whatever. We give a fuck about black people. Period. This platform oh. is built for conversations that have to deal with what black people have to go through. All of them, whether you queer, black, whether you socially accepted, black, all whatever, however y'all want to play that shit. We rocking with y'all, bro. And if you got a problem with it, hey, that unsubscribe, unfollow. You all that shit is there for you to go ahead and do all the bigger shit that you do with that. And with that being said, man, uh, we glad that y'all was able to tune in and be a part of the conversation today. We all got early mornings tomorrow. I will be heading to North Carolina for that Dreamville Festival. North Carolina. You know what I'm saying? So y'all know how it go. I'm about to be listen. I'm a huge J. Cole fan. If y'all been watching the show, if y'all know me personally, you already know. Yeah, you know I mean, like when it comes to cold, ain't no games played. So I'm gonna be heading out that way tomorrow. Also, let me go ahead and kind of pat myself on the back real quick. Boom, boom. I did just get uh start a new position with the city of Littleton, who y'all know we rock with heavily in terms of us yeah. being partner professors and and allowing us to do workshops and, and and teach other information. But I've been brought on board officially 
uh, as a uh, employee at the city of Littleton to help Ooh. them with their trainings and to continue to bring Lee and Toya on to continue to help this growth and development. You know what I'm saying? So I got we are, my my household is a hey, we are HR house now. Yeah, we, we we do we do human resources and human relations around this. Yeah. Hey, so shout no out to the city. Like, of- no to listen. I'm gonna get my shit together. I'm getting more organized right now. I'm getting together, Noel. I'm gonna get him together. Don't worry about it. You got to deal with me now. Noel, I'm getting more organized and structured as we speak. You know, so there will be more timely. You know what I'm saying? You know, and to and, and to all my other clients too. You feel me? Shout out to y'all. I appreciate y'all for loving on me. In my perspectives and my skills, and sometimes I'm a little disorganized. But listen, bigger things is coming. (laughs) (laughs) Yo, hey, for real though, y'all stay tuned for more live shows. Um, We are working to get a live show in Littleton, Colorado. So if you are in the Denver area and you rock with the Chop Up, uh, we are working to get something done that way. Uh, But also, if y'all again, Lee got the classes. If you own Teachable. Go ahead. If you want to learn about uh, capitalism, if you want to learn hey, about... I can't go over there and check it out. Check Y'all check that out. Toya, high-definition uh, high definition leadership and empowerment coaching. We getting shit right. Listen, Get it together. If you I have leaders... College students, if y'all in y'all student organizations and y'all need, you know, a, a keynote speaker, y'all need somebody for y'all organizations, you need somebody to do your workshops, you want somebody to come and talk about leadership, I'm your girl, I want to come by on your campus, come hang out with y'all. All my managers, all of my general managers, all of my people who are being poorly managed, if you feel like the atmosphere there can take a change, slide my name into a suggestion box, tell them to hit up Toya G at higherdefinitionlec.com or just take them to my Instagram at higherdefinitionlec, just like your phones, your TVs, your cameras, higherdefinitionlec.com. I don't know. I couldn't do my sign language. But uh, outside of that, right, send them to me. I want to help y'all. I want to elevate y'all. I want to boost y'all. I want to take y'all to the next level. If you are an individual and you just need the ability, because leadership is personal. If you can't lead yourself, you can't lead nobody else. Some of us need oh, to just leadership characteristics. Leadership is a personality trait. So if you need some help aligning yourself with some of your goals and some of your perspectives, some of your visions and dreams that you have, I want to get you on track with that. I'm a mindset coach, too. So y'all tap in with the kid. I just want to push you. You know what I'm saying? I just want you to live your life in higher definition. That's all. Hey, Vance said he let her bring us here to Ohio State. Hey, Vance, my wife actually got her master's from Ohio State University. So fuck with me. We'll pull up. We'll love the guy. I want to be one person anyway. You gang anyway. You fam anyway. So right, like, right, 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 right. So, uh, so y'all see, the chop up is not just a podcast platform, but we also reaching out to make sure that the the conversations of diversity, inclusion, and equity are being, you know, what I'm saying, pushed through all organizations that we can touch. I mean, if y'all want to get in, uh, like I said, many ways to get in touch. Hit us on the DM on Instagram at the Chop Up Show. Holler at us on, on Facebook at the Chop Up Show. Y'all can catch us on YouTube, and you will be able to check, catch these clips from this week and previous weeks at the Chop Up Show on YouTube. And again, if you a podcast listener, you need something to listen to while you're working out, you're trying to learn while you're in traffic, subscribe to the Chop Up Show on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts. With that being said... We'll go ahead and close it out. This is Chop Up. We out. In the city, we gon' slide. Bet I be there pronto. Me, my guys, we really lie. Lord, forgive me, pay my ties. Please don't have me reach inside. And that's in the console. Keep the semi when I ride.